Well, today we're in this series called Heroes, and we're talking about the life of Joseph. And Joseph's life was a life that helps us understand what it means to walk through adversity properly, what it means to walk through adversity in life when there's been great hurt, there's been great pain, how to walk through adversity when, listen, when adversity was caused by someone else. Either someone sinned against you, either someone did something to hurt you or create pain in your life. It was because of no fault of your own, but because of an action of another that you walk through adversity. See, Joseph's life is a life that teaches us what it means to walk through adversity and still honor God. It also is a life that teaches us what it means to forgive. And listen, let me tell you something. Uh, This will be the third service this weekend. In the first two services, I could just sense the tension and the emotion in this room, especially when I begin talking about this issue of forgiveness because this issue of forgiveness really affects every one of us. So this morning, I'm going to give you the cliff notes about Joseph's life, and then we're going to go into this issue about how to walk through adversity how to walk through pain in life in your life when someone has caused that pain and hurt you. Joseph was raised in a home with a lot of brothers. And Joseph had a dad, and his dad's name was Jacob. And Jacob was, well, it was a dysfunctional home. And so Jacob had a favorite, and the favorite was Joseph. Joseph was his father's favorite. And so he was the favorite, which because of that, all the other brothers hated Joseph. Fact is, when you look at the scriptures, you find that, that none of the other brothers would speak kindly about Joseph. And so Joseph's dad thought so much of Joseph, and he was so much his favorite, that Joseph's dad made Joseph a special coat. It was a multicolored coat that he didn't give one to any of the other brothers. Only Joseph got that coat. And Joseph, being the the favorite, also had a problem with his mouth, and sometimes he would let his brothers know that he was the favorite. He would tell on them a lot of times, and he would get them in trouble. And so they hated him, and you know what he did with that coat? He would wear that coat at the most ridiculous times. It would be like this. If there was a favorite in your family and your dad took and gave them a special coat, say a tux, and they didn't give a tux to anybody else in the family, and then the family's out doing yard work, you know, mowing the yard, uh, raking leaves, and your brother comes out in the tux. (laughs) You'd be like, seriously? We already know you're the favorite. See, that was Joseph. And so Joseph was this guy that he, he would tell on his brothers and get his brothers in trouble because Joseph's place in the family, he wanted, to remain the, he wanted to remain the favorite. And God had also given Joseph a spiritual gift, a special gift. He could interpret dreams. And one night, God gave Joseph a dream, and, but he had a problem with his mouth. And he wanted his brothers to know just how much of a favorite he really was. And so God gave Joseph a dream that said, One day, Joseph, you're going to be in charge of everything, and your brothers one day will bow down before you. And Joseph was dumb enough to tell his brothers, (laughs) Not only did I get a special coat, but one day, not only you, but everybody's going to bow down before me. So his brothers had all they could take, and Joseph was about 17 years of age, and They decided to kill him. They took him out and they threw him in a pit. And so they were just going to end his life and be done with it. But Joseph had a brother, Reuben, and Reuben spoke up for him and said, we cannot kill him. So they they ended up taking him out of the pit and they they sold him to the Midianites and he went into Egypt and Pharaoh and all of that other stuff. And and then they took his tux. And they hated that tux. Because it's a memory to them that Joseph was the favorite and we're not. And so they, they tore the tux and they poured blood on it. And they told dad they lied and manipulated. And they tore, told dad that a wild animal had 
torn Joseph in half and, and he's dead. And so Joseph gets sold into slavery. And so, so let me just ask you this. Could you forgive your own brother for selling you into slavery? See, for all Joseph knew, it would be the rest of his life. Can you forgive someone for a horrendous injustice or wrong in your life? And Joseph was 17 years old. He was, loved his dad. He was close to his dad, of course, sold into slavery. And, and then Potiphar realized that he had the gift of organization. He had the gift of administration. So Potiphar promotes Joseph. Scripture says that Potiphar didn't worry about anything but what he ate. Everything else Joseph was in charge of. And the day came when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. Scripture says that, that Joseph was, was well-built and handsome, and she made one advance after another, and Joseph, for the very last time, refused, and he, she pulled his jacket off as he left, and, and she framed him. And she went to her husband, she went to Potiphar, and she told Potiphar that Joseph had come on to her. It's punishable by death. And so we really don't think that Potiphar believed his wife because he could have put Joseph to death, but he didn't. And maybe it was God saving Joseph. And so back in prison, back in a pit, Joseph goes. From the age of 17 all the way to the age of 30, Joseph is in prison. And see, this pain started because of the actions of brothers. If it hadn't been for his brothers that sold him into slavery, Joseph would still be at home. Joseph would still be the favorite. He's in prison, wasn't there long, and he meets two guys, the baker and the cupbearer. And Pharaoh had, had gotten mad at them and thrown them in prison, and we don't know what they did. And, but they had a dream, and they go to Joseph, and they tell Joseph the dream, and, dream, and Joseph interprets the dream and tells them to the, to the baker that, that you're going to die. Three days you're going to die. But to the cupbearer, he tells the cupbearer, he says, good news for you. You're going to be reinstated to your position. And when you come into your glory, when you're reinstated, all that I ask is that you remember me. But the crummy deal was, is that yes, Joseph's dreams came true. Or yes, how he interpreted the dreams of the baker and the cupbearer came true. But he was forgotten by the cupbearer. It wasn't until Joseph was about 30 years of age that Pharaoh has this dream. And the cupbearer goes... I remember this guy, Joseph, that I was in prison with. And he interpreted the baker's dream and and my dream, and it, it like came true. I bet he could interpret your dream that nobody else can interpret. And so they called for Joseph, and Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream, and and Pharaoh made him like vice Pharaoh of Egypt, to where he was over like everything. Then after many years... There's like this famine in the land. And Jacob and his sons are, are starving. And so Jacob sends Joseph's brothers to go and ask Pharaoh for grain so they don't starve. They hadn't seen each other in years. And his brothers show up and ask him for grain because if not, they'll starve. And, and then Joseph does a weird thing. He He blesses them. He blesses their family. He blesses them. He takes care of them. Joseph is alive. His life is a life of adversity. 
His life is how to walk through life and forgive. Three things I want to give you this morning as we just apply it to our life. And, you know, I, I know, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. None of these principles are easy. All of these principles are biblical, and all of these principles will bring you freedom in your life. Because let me just tell you on the onset. If you're unwilling to forgive, if you have unforgiveness right now in your heart, you will never have freedom in your life. And it will destroy you. So the first thing is this. When we go through adversity, when we go through pain in life, even when it's caused of another, do not turn your back on God. In other words, do not, I mean, for, for some odd reason, the flesh, and, and we, we sang the song, Come Thou Fountain, we talked about it, that we're, tent, we, we're prone to wander, but it's in those times of great adversity, right? A lot of times when things don't turn out the way we want them to, when things go, go bad in our life, that, that, that it's those times that we're tempted just to turn our back on God. When you look at Joseph's life, you realize that Joseph remained faithful throughout his entire life. The fact is, you could never find Joseph really doing anything wrong, even when it cost him his, his life. With, Pharaoh, with, with Potiphar's wife, he did the right thing. And he suffered for it. I mean, sometimes in life, when we stand up and we, we remain pure, when we make a biblical standard, when we do the right thing and we suffer for it, sometimes we get frustrated with God in life, right? Sometimes we are tempted just to turn our back on God and say, I just give up. But when you look at Joseph's life, because of purity in his life, God blessed him. This is just Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. If you have your Bibles, your iPads, any electronic device, you can go there. The, the verses are going to come up here. Watch this. This is when Joseph gets sent to prison for the first time. And the Lord was with Joseph. Listen, in my Bible, that is highlighted. That is underlined. That is asterisk. Because here's what we got to know. God is with you in your adversity. There's something about adversity that blinds us to the love of God. There's something about adversity that blinds us to the plan of God. There's something about adversity that can blind us, if we're not careful, to the faithfulness of God, to where we're tempted to turn our back on Him because we think if this is the way it's going to turn out, it just isn't right. But you see, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything that he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized, watch this, you, you can see his testimony right here, and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. You, see, not only was God with Joseph, but he lived his life in such a way that the people around him could tell. God is with this man. There is something different. Anybody else would be bitter. Anybody else would be angry. But there's something different about this man. And so look what happens. And giving him success in everything that he did. This pleased Potiphar. So soon he made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began, look, the Lord began to bless his business. And there was a blessing on that business. There's a blessing on Potiphar's household because of Joseph. That's what he says. To bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. It was right after this that his wife came on to Joseph, and Joseph did not accept her advances. This is when she framed him. And so look at this, verse 20. So he took Joseph and he threw him into prison. It was really punishable by death. So Potiphar probably did not believe his wife's claims. So he took Joseph, threw him into prison. I mean, he, he was thrown into prison for doing the right thing. He went into a life of adversity for doing the right thing. And the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But watch this. 
But the Lord was with Joseph in prison. Listen, I'm telling you, God is with you in your adversity. God is with you in your hurt. And God is with you in your pain. But sometimes our pain, and I'm just going to tell you this, your unforgiveness will blind you to the love of God. Your unforgiveness will blind you to the care and the faithfulness of God. But Joseph didn't have that. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him, watch this, and showed him his faithful love. See, Joseph got it. Joseph understood that God is in charge of everything. And that even though I'm in adversity, adversity and even though I'm in difficulty, God is still faithful and God still loves me. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. In other words, God gave Joseph great favor. Favor was on his life. Why? Because of purity. Because of the biblical stance. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Watch this. The Lord was with him and caused everything to succeed. Maybe not the way Joseph wanted, to, wanted it to during that period and during the midst of adversity. But Joseph understood and Joseph got it that God was with him. See, Joseph was able to remain pure. Joseph was able not to turn his back on God because he saw God in the midst of his adversity. He saw God in the midst of his pain. He was able to look under the... See, Joseph's, Joseph's security was not in circumstances. If your security is in circumstances, you will turn your back on God every time. See, Joseph was able to see beneath the, the, the circumstances and beneath... Listen, let me ask you something. Do you have a tendency to turn your back on God when He doesn't answer your prayers the way you want Him to? Do you have a tendency to turn your back on God when you walk through adversity, when you feel like you did the right thing and this is not fair? Do you have a tendency to turn your back on God when you go through adversity and give up purity and give up your morals and give up worship and church? See, when we get upset with God, we have a tendency to turn our back on Him. When we go through adversity, we have to see. And God's sovereign. God's in control. He's in the midst. He's in the midst of our adversity. God gave Joseph exactly what he needed to go through adversity. And the Scripture says over and over and over that God was with him. God was with him. So when you and I go through adversity, the first thing is we just don't turn our back on him. Second thing is this. may even be harder. We don't retaliate against those who have hurt us. So you can never find one instance in Joseph's life to where Joseph began to retaliate against those who hurt him. You see, Joseph, had, Joseph knew God had a plan for his life. God has a plan for every one of our lives. God has a purpose for every one of our lives. God had given Joseph a call. God had given Joseph a word that, that one day that he would be vice Pharaoh, that one day the whole land would bow down. Joseph got that. Joseph understood that. But Joseph also understood this, which a lot of times we have a hard time understanding. The purpose of my life belongs to God, not me. The purpose of my life, the purpose of your life, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God, and we're supposed to be obedient. We're supposed to follow Him. See, whenever we think it's our plan, whenever we think it's our purpose, then when we go through adversity, we'll bail every time. The purpose of your life is God's. 
and not you because he is sovereign and he is in control. And we have to get that. We have to understand that, that Joseph's faith was not in circumstances. It was in God. And so the, the problem is so many times, and, and this has happened in my life, that when we go through adversity and we go through hurt and we go through pain, that we are so focused on what we are going through that we don't see God sovereign. We don't see God in charge of everything. But when you look at Joseph's life, you realize Joseph's, God's will for Joseph's life will come to be. And God wants you to understand that, you know what? He's sovereign. And he is in control. And he wants to work in your life so that you have the ability to forgive people. You have the ability to walk through adversity. Can I just tell you this? This is just what I've learned in my life, and it's, for sure it's in Joseph's life. The, your, your adversity oftentimes is God's in, invitation for intimacy with him. There's something about adversity, right? That it just kind of strips away everything. There's something about adversity, but we start realizing what's important and what's not important. There's something about good times in life and celebration that sometimes it's so easy to forget him and we think it is all about us. There's something about adversity that is like this invitation to him, from him, for intimacy with us. See, most theologians believe that's why Joseph spent so much time in prison is because he was processing out some of the hurt, the pain, the forgiveness, so God could use him in a dramatic way on the other side. When we look at adversity and we find that God's sovereign, God's in control, it is for our maturity, it is for our development. None of us like it. I mean, there's times in my life that I've gone through great adversity, great hurt, great pain. I would never want to go through that again but I would not trade the lessons that I learned, the intimacy with him, for anything. If we're going to walk through life like Joseph, and we're going to be able to walk through great adversity, and we're going to be able to not retaliate against those who have hurt us, then the last thing is just so important that we have to be willing to forgive those who have hurt us. We have to come to the point in our life till we're just we're able to forgive. See, it was through adversity that Joseph learned that he learned what forgiveness was. And even though he had, even though Joseph's brothers had hurt him and betrayed him, when they meet for the first time years after the event, you can tell that Joseph loved them greatly. In fact, is there some principles that we can pull out of this so that we can know? Because I always get people that, well, how do you know when you've forgiven someone, right? I mean, what are the benchmarks? How, how do I know? How do you know? Well, it's, 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 it's right here in the Scriptures, Genesis chapter 45, verse 3. We're just going to walk through and we're going we're to see how total forgiveness is demonstrated in someone's life. The first one is this, verse 3. Well, watch this. Total forgiveness is demonstrated when you make the other person feel completely at ease. There's something about us when we have unforgiveness, what the last thing that we want is them to be comfortable in our presence, right? We, we want to know how bad they've hurt us. We, know, we want to know how bad they destroyed us. And all, but total forgiveness is when you have totally forgiven someone, then when you're in their presence, when they're in your presence, you want them to feel totally at ease. Watch this. 
Joseph has seen them for the first time. They're about ready to ask him for, for grain so that they can live. They don't know it's Joseph. They are there. Verse 3, he says, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? I mean, this is in the days before Facebook and Twitter and text messaging and cell phones and the Internet. So he had no way of knowing. All these years, he's wondering, Dad's still alive. So the first thing he does, he asks him, is Dad still alive? But his brothers were speechless. See, you don't, when someone has sinned against you, you don't have to make them feel uncomfortable. They know what they have done. The brothers knew what they had done. And they were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. I guess so. Now watch this. He has a simple invitation. Please come closer. I want you to feel at ease. I've forgiven you. I've released you. I want you to be able to see my eyes. I want you to be able to see my emotions that, that I still love you. And so they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother. Now watch, this is so healthy. See, Joseph didn't act like what they did to him was no big deal. He, see, that's not forgiveness. He didn't act like he deserved it. He didn't act like it was no big deal. He didn't act like it really didn't hurt. See, he was honest. He, no personal attacks. He didn't talk about their family tree. He didn't talk about them personally, anything like that. He said, I am your brother, whom you sold whom you sold into, into slavery and into Egypt. See, total forgiveness is demonstrated. And we don't want the other person to feel uneasy in our presence. See, hate wants that other person to sweat BBs, to be miserable. Hate wants the other person to squirm. Listen, can, can I just tell you this? This is just for free. I don't think I said this in any of the other services, but it's just so huge. If you don't understand that you have been totally forgiven by God, if you view your relationship with God that you are trying to earn His forgiveness or work for His forgiveness, then can I just tell you this? You can't give out what you do not have. When people sin against you, when people hurt you, you will make them work for their, for your forgiveness. You will not forgive them until they've earned it or to when they've suffered enough. You see, verse 5 tells us total forgiveness is demonstrated when you will not allow the, fir- the person to feel angry with themselves. Verse 5, watch, this is so cool. And now do not be distressed. Joseph's still talking to him, and do not be angry with yourselves. For selling me here. We were 17 guys. There's probably some things that I could own as well. And See, total forgiveness is demonstrated when we make it easy for a person to forgive themselves. Watch this verse 5. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place. And Joseph was honest about what they had done to him. But he also understood that, you know what, his faith is not in his circumstances. His faith is in God. Watch how many times he talks about God. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. The famine that has raged, uh, ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. 
again, guess what? God's in, God's in control of my life, not you. God sent me here ahead of you. The reason a lot of people have trouble forgiving is you give them way too much power in your life. Listen, they are not in control of your life. Joseph got that. Joseph understood that. God's in control of my life. And so he says, God has sent me ahead of you to keep, to keep you and, and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So, again, it was God who sent me here, not you. You don't have that much power in, in my life. Listen, let me just tell you something. No one can keep God's plan from happening in your life. The purpose and the plan that God has for your life. Do not give a human that much power in your life. If you do, you will have trouble forgiving them. Listen, no man can keep God's plan from happening in your life. And Joseph got that, and Joseph understood that. The reason that a lot of us have so much trouble forgiving is we give power, we give power so much power to people. And so he goes on, God is the one who sent me here, not you. And he is still the one who, who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of the, his entire palace, and the governor of all of Egypt. Joseph understood that people are not in control of his life. It is God who ultimately is in control of his life. But total forgiveness is also demonstrated. We demonstrate that when we don't want other people to know what they have done. You see this in Joseph's life. In fact is, when we don't want the people that are closest to them or mean the most to them. See, when someone has unforgiveness, they go around, they tell everybody what that person has done to hurt them, right? You don't even have to bring it up. You don't even have to bring up the name. They will tell you, right? Because they got this unforgiveness. You know what gossip is? Gossip is really this. It is confessing someone else's sin to another person. See, people with bitterness and people with unforgiveness, they're confessing everybody else's sin to someone else. Total forgiveness is demonstrated in such a way. When you don't want the people closest to them to know what they've done, see, see you get it and you understand. It's, just, it's, it's between us. Watch this, verse 9. It's just so healthy what, what Joseph tells his brothers. He says, now, hurry back to my father and... And I want you to go back to my dad, and I want you to tell him this. I want you to tell him what you guys did to me. I want you to tell him that you guys were plotting to kill me. I heard you when I was in the pit. I mean, I want you to tell him that you, you were going to kill me, and then you decided to get me out. You sold me into slavery. You took my tux. You ripped it. You put blood on it, animal's blood. You lied. You manipulated. You hurt me. I want you to tell him. Joseph didn't say any of that, right? Here's what he said. Now, I want you to go back to my father. Here's what I want you to tell dad. This is what your son Joseph said. God has made me master of all the, over all the land of Egypt. So come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen where you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, and everything else you own. I will take care of you there, and there, will still, there are still five years of famine ahead, and otherwise you and your household and all your animals will starve. And See, it's unforgiveness that drives people to where they want everybody else to know what they have done. That's why when people get hurt, they go to everybody that the person that has offended them and they let everybody know because there's unforgiveness. But See, Joseph had, even in the midst of adversity, Joseph had great freedom in his life because he knew God was ultimately in charge. And I'm telling you, I told you at the start that if you cannot learn to forgive people You'll never live in freedom. 
you'll live in a pit. You'll live in prison. Maybe the rest of your life. It's up to you. And when I tell people that, whether it's in the halls or in my office or a setting like this, and I, I get emails and or I get conversation, and people will always tell me, well, wait a minute, Pastor. You don't understand what was done to me. You don't understand how deep the hurt was. And you're right, it's hard to forgive someone of a tremendous wrong. Here's the interesting thing about Joseph's story. His brothers never owned it. His brothers never asked for forgiveness. Fact is, his brothers hadn't changed. Can you forgive someone? They don't even own it. They don't even ask for forgiveness. See, this was the challenge of Joseph. Verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was, was dead. Now, now that's real critical. We don't have enough time uh, to understand that completely. But, but here's the deal. This was a lie they dreamed up. Okay? Their father was dead. And so you just got to understand the, the timing. And so um, the father is dead, and all of a sudden they're going to make this sound like the last dying wish. He had, Jacob had lived there, and his brothers had lived there for quite some time with Joseph in, in Egypt, and his father passes away. And so now his brothers are scared. Watch this. It may be. So, so they see that, 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 that their father is dead, and so here's what they're talking about in a room. It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Listen, if you biblically forgive someone for a tremendous wrong, they will have trouble understanding how you could forgive them. See, the brothers were no different. They were thinking, you know what? The only reason he did this is dad's still alive. He wants to be dad's favorite. But when, now that he knows that dad is dead, that he's going to pay us back. And so he says, so they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave us this command before he died. Seriously? And so I, it's his last dying wish, Joseph. Your father gave us a command before he died. So say to Joseph, so Joseph, this is what dad wants us to tell you. Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers. Watch this. And their sin. They didn't own it. It's not our sin. You never see our sin. See, this, this, is, this is dad talking. They're not owning it. This is not repentance. This is not saying we're sorry. His brothers are not owning this. And then watch this. Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin. Because watch this. Because they did evil. Not we. It's because they did evil. So they're not even owning it. They're not even asking for forgiveness. And now, please forgive the transgressions of the servants of God, of your father. And Joseph wept. Probably because he was still processing. This is the first time he hears that dad's dead. Verse 11. So his brothers also, watch this. This is so cool. His brothers also came and fell down before him. They bowed before him. Listen, let me just tell you. No man can keep God's purpose and God's plan from happening in your life. 
They thought they could do it by trying to kill him, putting him in a pit, selling him to slavery. Don't give people that much power in your life. Behold, we are your servants. That's still not repentance. That's like, duh, everybody is. But, but Joseph said to them, watch this, Do not fear, for, I am, in, for am I in the place of God? Listen, let me tell you something. When you, when you withhold forgiveness, you are putting yourself in the place of God over somebody's life. That's why it's so dangerous. He's, am I in the place of God? As for you, see, Joseph was so healthy, he was so honest. You meant evil against me. But God's in control of my life. God meant it for good. To bring about the many people that should keep, be kept alive. In other words, what Joseph said, you know what? My adversity was to get me to this point. Have you ever looked at that? Some of the adversity that you've walked through, it was to get you to the point where you're at today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Here's another way that we know that Joseph had forgiven them and processed it out, and it was genuine. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. If there's unforgiveness in your heart, you cannot comfort that individual, and you will not speak kindly about that individual. It's interesting. This is the very first time in Scripture where the word forgive ever appears. Anytime something appears in Scripture for the very first time, it's like one of those moments that you better look at it, you better get it, you better understand it. In the Hebrew, the word forgive means several different things. It means to, it means to release. It means to absolve. It means to release someone from penalty. It means to lift up, or it means to bear. Isn't that what Jesus Christ did for every one of us? He lifted off our sin onto him. And he released us from the penalty of sin. And Joseph had forgiven them and he had released them. You see, Joseph had, Joseph had nothing to prove. If there's unforgiveness in your heart, you will live your life trying to prove something rather than trying to please someone who is God. You will spend your life trying to prove that you are right. You will spend your time trying to prove that you are right and they were, and they were wrong. There was a period of my life that was great adversity and great personal pain because I harbored unforgiveness. You see, Joseph's life is very personal to me because his life ministered to me very greatly uh, in my past about this issue of forgiveness. And I harbored unforgiveness, and I was living a life trying to prove something, not trying to please someone, which is God. And I was trying to prove that I was right and they were wrong. And I'd get in conversations, whether it's family or friends, and I'd bring it up, and I'd prove, and I'd talk about how wrong they were and how right I was. There's a friend of mine, Brian Savarkal, that lives in Colorado Springs, or did live in Colorado Springs, and... And we had met over here at, at Applebee's. He was just a great Christian guy. He was a mentor. He was a counselor. And we're sitting in Applebee's, and, and I, am, I am ripping on these people who had hurt me. I mean, all the way through the appetizer, through the meal, uh, through the bill, to where the lunch crowd had come and gone. And it's just like Brian and me. 
And I am convincing him and I'm telling him they did this and they did this and they did this and they were wrong and I was right and they were wrong and I was right and I was trying to prove something. And all that Brian would try to say did not help. fact is it made it worse, right? Because when you have unforgiveness, the issue is not how wrong or right. The issue is this. It's with you. And whatever he said, it just didn't work. It just didn't help. And so, I mean, I was going, and finally he just looked at me and he just almost screamed. He said, Charlie, Charlie. He said, of course they were wrong. That's why you have to forgive them. You don't forgive people who are right. You forgive people who are wrong. Why do you keep trying to prove they are wrong? Of course they're wrong. That's why you have to forgive them. You don't forgive people for blessing you, right? You don't forgive people for giving you a birthday gift, for taking you to play golf, or for blessing you with a lunch, or, or giving you a birthday present, or opening the door for you. You don't go around saying, I forgive you for that blessing. I forgive you for that blessing. I forgive you. And, I mean, he, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I pushed him like over the edge. He says, listen, Charlie, I'm telling you, The issue is not whether they're right or wrong. They are wrong. You only have to forgive people who have wronged you. Of course they are wrong. Quit trying to prove it. They are wrong. Now deal with it. Forgive them. Let me ask you, show of hands, how many of you have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Recited it. That's like all of us, even even you guys that don't like to participate in surveys or raise your hand in church. You know that line, depending on how you learned it, King James or ESV, whatever. The ESV says, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us of our transgressions as we forgive those who have transgressed against us. King James. That word as, as we forgive those who have transgressed against us, is a very deep, Greek word. You know what that word as means? It means this. The same way as. Do you know what you're praying when you pray the Lord's Prayer, the model that Jesus gave for us? Lord, forgive me the same way I forgive others. Now that would have been helpful information to know before we prayed that prayer, right? <laughs> When we pray that prayer, Lord, here's what I want you to do. The same way I forgive others, forgive me. If you're like me, I went through a a period, and we'll close with this. I just went through a period to where I understood what forgiveness was to release and, and release someone from the penalty and release them and all that other stuff. And and it was almost like God would be standing there, and I, whether it was a sermon that I would hear, uh, whether it was my quiet time that I would hear. And so I, w- I would take that individual who had, who, who had hurt me, and I would take that individual, and I would like go, go place them at, at God's feet, right? And I said, okay, so I, I've, God, I've, I've released them. And, and I know your word says that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and vengeance means to bring just to an unjust situation. That's all that word means. I said, God, God they're right there. And he doesn't do anything right or quick enough for me. So I'm like, God, just right there. Just look down. Just look down. They're right at your feet. 
I mean, it won't take you much. Just bend down. Just deal with it. Just any time, Lord. Just, you're, you seem distracted. <laughs> Lord, I, I, I just need you to deal with them, right? And then he doesn't do it fast enough. And we say, well, if you're just going to stand there. I mean, <laughs> right? And so we pick them up again. And so here's what I'm asking this morning. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, I am asking you to release them. I am asking you to release them, to lay them down, to be able to pray with integrity, Lord, the same way I forgive others, you forgive me. I am telling you, if you have unforgiveness, you will not walk in freedom. You may have walked in this place in the bondage, in the prison of unforgiveness, but I am telling you this morning, you can walk out in freedom. To where you don't live your life trying to prove that you were right and they were wrong. How everybody else is wrong and how everybody else has hurt you. It is something that is offered to each one of us. It is what Christ has done for us. He has lifted our sin off of us onto him. And he has released us from the penalty of sin. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you this morning. What is God saying to you as a result of this message? Listen, I know... This is an uncomfortable message. And sometimes it is good for us to be uncomfortable in the house of the Lord because he wants to bring freedom. So I'm asking this morning, is there someone you need to forgive? Did you walk in this place in the prison and the bondage of unforgiveness? Listen, let me just tell you something. If you are still going over it in your mind over and over what they have done to you, you have not forgiven them. Because God is not in heaven going over and over in his mind every sin you have committed. He has released you. He has forgiven you. He has taken your sin and cast as far as the east as the west. He has lifted our sin off of us onto his son, Christ. And he offers that to you today. You don't have to carry this. I'm telling you, from my personal testimony, it about destroyed me and my family. Is there someone you need to release?